Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Welcome back to Spot On. This is season two. I am so excited that we have a two, uh, and I'm hoping that we have a season three and four, but very, very excited about this. We had a fun season one. If you didn't listen to any of those episodes, please um, go on to your favorite podcast platform and listen, and you'll have some fun episodes there. But this um, season is exciting because we passed the 10,000 download marks. So we have over 10,000 downloads, and that's because of you. And I want to just thank you in advance, and I hope that that we have um, 20,000 by the end of the day. So anyway, with that in mind, welcome to Spot On. You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information That is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Today on Not Spot On, I, ha- I am very, very excited about this. And I, and I did some research to find out about this topic, and I um, was blown away. Do you realize that one billion folks use Instagram monthly? One B as in billion, all right? And of these, 500 million of them use it daily. And a good portion of those use it multiple times throughout the day. Here is another shock, shouldn't really be a shock, but about 40% of people uh, under the age of 24 are using it on a regular basis. So obviously there is a lot of people using Instagram. When you do all the numbers together and all the time that is spent on Instagram, it's no wonder we have time to take a shower. I mean, I mean, this is, takes a lot of our time. So if they're spending all this time on Instagram, let's go to the street and find out how does Instagram make students feel? Makes me feel very connected to some people I wouldn't otherwise see or information I wouldn't otherwise get. But a lot of the time I just feel like I'm wasting my own time. Instagram for the most part makes me feel like good to know that I'm keeping, I'm staying connected with my friends and family. I don't really have feelings negative or positive towards Instagram. I think I use it sometimes when I want to kill time. I really like Instagram because it allows me to express my hobbies and I run two different accounts other than a personal one. One for photography, so it's a nice outlet, and then one for my Poshmark closet. It allows me to like connect with other people who have like small businesses and we all share tips and tricks and it's great. It just makes me feel crazy because I feel like you just like, you can find out too much about other people. Well, I mainly use Instagram to look at memes because I like to laugh or I like stalking people's pages that I don't like because it makes me feel pretty good about where I'm at in life. Instagram sometimes makes me feel pressured, especially when I post a picture. I'll be constantly looking at how many likes I get and then who are those people who like my photos. Also sometimes drains me because of all the ads or excessive posting by just 
so many different people so it's a little mix of both I just have to balance my time I don't really have like negative influences on there I only really follow my friends and people that I know you can know too much it's just there's too much information that you don't need I think everyone is trying to have that perfect image on Instagram it makes me compare myself to other people and then when I look at other people's posts I think to myself should I be doing that should I be posting something differently so I wouldn't say my posts are necessarily authentic but just compare it on what I see I am so excited today to have on Spot On an expert, uh, Marcy Evans. She's a registered dietitian, but she's a specialty is eating disorders, which is a very, very interesting, thorough, and challenging field. And she specializes not only in eating disorders, but also body image concerns with a passion for neuroscience. Now, don't panic with the neuroscience because she is just on top of her game and she's going to explain it and what Instagram does really to your brain. She is the food and body image healer and uh, she dedicated her career to counseling, supervising, and teaching in the field of eating disorders and body image and has spoken nationally and internationally on these topics. And the reason why she is on this show is because she went to a national convention that I attended and talked about this. And I have to tell you, after her presentation, I know you're, you're going to find this hard to believe, but I was speechless. I know you find this hard to believe. That is how empowering and fascinating this subject was. No more to do. I want to welcome Marcy Evans to Spot On. It is so, so great to be here with you. I am like beyond thrilled to be able to come chat about a topic that I find endlessly fascinating. This is just a total treat. And I'm so glad that you put that disclaimer up the front. If you hear neuroscience and your brain starts to shut down and you're thinking, I've got to turn this podcast off, just hold on. Right because I promise you we're going to have a lot of good fun and it's going to feel relevant to you because social media is such a part of our lives as the stats that you laid out in the beginning, which blew my mind, um, really illustrated really well. So, you know, this whole Instagram issue, which is obviously taking up a lot of our time for a lot of us, um, you know, really what we seem to be doing is comparing ourselves to other people. Am I right? Wrong? Tell me about this. Well, absolutely. We compare, and we do that naturally as human beings. That's not anything new. We have been comparing really from the beginning of time because we've really evolved. If we look at this from a brain-based standpoint, we've evolved to be social creatures who need connection and who need relationships in order to thrive. That has always been the case that when make, we're looking at Right. That makes total, yeah, total sense. Total sense. Yeah. Okay. In order to survive, we've got to have our tribe, right? Right. And so what we're bumping up against now in, you know, the 2000s is this evolution of social media in which the opportunity for constant comparison, seeing what a person is up to and posting about it, what outfits they choose, what meal did they eat, you know, what club did they visit? We are inundated with information to then compare ourselves against. And it happens often below our levels of consciousness. We're making the comparison because that's what our brains are wired to do. But a lot of times we aren't even really aware that it's 
what we're doing. Opportunity after opportunity to be comparing. Right. You know, Marcy, um, that's interesting because before social media, your comparison group was what? Your friends, your family, your cousins. It wasn't the world. It wasn't billions of people, you know, using Instagram. So I can imagine how taxing that must be. It's taxing, and there are, you know, millions of students, individuals, people in a generation where they've never known anything different. Mm. So they don't really appreciate ways in which they are being taxed because it's their norm. That's how they have grown up. That's what life has always been for them. And I'm in this sort of in-between generation where I remember growing up without cell phones and certainly without social media. And now it's, of course, a huge part of my life. But there are you know, so many people who you deal with as you know, the work that you do in academia and in the college world where that's really what their life has been. Right. And uh, it is incredibly taxing. Right. So we have this you know, innate ability to want to compare, but who, who do we compare ourselves to? Is it certain people we, we try to compare ourselves to? Well, this is, I think, a, a fascinating question. And so what I'm about to explain it's going to make perfect sense. You're going to, I'm going to say this and you're going to be like, well, yeah, duh. But this research that I became so fascinated in and really dove into for this presentation that you referenced was that this, isn't, this wasn't known information a couple decades ago, well, several decades ago, that back in the 1950s and 60s, this, this guy, this researcher, he really, he was a psychologist and he said, well, this is really interesting. I want to know more about how we make sense of ourselves as human beings. And he developed this hypothesis that we make sense of our own identity and how we understand ourselves in the world, that one of the ways that we do that is that we evaluate ourselves and our ideas and our opinions by kind of comparing them to other people. Hmm. So he developed this whole theory, and it was research and research and research. And then what happened actually in 2014 is that there was this huge study where they compiled 60 years of research on this theory, which is called the social comparison theory. And it was 60 years of research where they looked at 145 studies to say, you know, what can we learn about the social comparison theory? And they asked two main questions, the researchers did. Who do we compare ourselves to? And what is the impact Mm. of those comparisons? And this is where I'm going to, I'm going to, state what they found out. And again, listeners are going to be like, well, yeah, that's my experience. I get it. Go for it. Who do we compare ourselves to? We mostly compare ourselves by people who we see as above us or upward, people who we Mm. we do to be successful, people who we want to be like, people who we might see as maybe a threat because maybe they're really good at something that we want to be good at. Okay. So so Marcy, is this the Kim Kardashian theory here? You got it. Okay. Perfect. Perfect example. Now, that's not who we only compare ourselves to, but more often we compare upwards. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the consequence of that? We compare ourselves upwards, we feel worse about ourselves. Right. Right. We look up and say, well, I don't have that outfit. My makeup doesn't look that good. My hair doesn't look that thick. And then we end up feeling a lot worse about ourselves because we're poking holes in our own experience and our own identity. You know, Marcy, that is so interesting because here we are in total control of who we are following or looking at. And what we're doing is we're going down a bad 
aisle here. And you're going down an aisle where you can't win. Exactly. It's a setup. It's a total setup. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, when we do compare down, meaning maybe somebody who's not quite as successful or maybe not achieving in ways that we care about our achievements, we compare down and then, yeah, we feel better. (gasps) It gives us a little esteem. It gives us a little boost. It's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not so bad off. So interesting. And we're going to talk about sort of how that plays out in social media, but the Kim, Gar- Kim Kardashian effect that you named, that is like the, the perfect example. And we do it to ourselves all of the time, even though we're, in, you know, in control, so to speak, of what filters into our social media feed, but we're constantly surrounded by it and it's happening on this unconscious level. And it's no wonder we're walking around feeling so self-critical. And we're going to talk about, you know, ways in which this relates to food and relates to body image and, and all these other kinds of things. Right. So so we say, so these comparisons could be a good thing and make, make you feel good depending on who you're comparing yourself to or make you feel bad. So is there something going on in your brain that is triggering this? Like what's going on? So this is, I, I just love that you gave me this invitation to geek out on the brain stuff because this is where I just get so excited. So it turns out that when you put people in studies and say, okay, we're going to look at the brain, we're going to do these brain imaging studies, and we're going to design these studies so that we can see when someone's making a comparison, what's going on and how does that help us to understand why we experience what we do, whether it's feeling better about ourselves or feeling worse about ourselves. And what these researchers found out is that what happens in the brain is that when we're comparing, it impacts two different main hubs in the brain or networks in the brain. One hub or one network is our reward network. So when we're comparing down, Mm -hmm. our reward network gets stoked. Hmm. And this is the area of the brain that responds and lights up to physical pleasure, Hmm. to having a good reputation, being praised. Mm. Um, when we do something that makes us feel good, maybe even like giving to charity, it also lights up. Have you ever heard the phrase schadenfreude? No, enlighten oh, me. Oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite terms. It's a German word, and um, it's kind of laughing at the pain of someone else. So if someone trips and falls, and you know they're okay, they're not badly hurt, but you kind of giggle a little bit, and you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of a little funny. That would be an example of schadenfreude. Wow, interesting. So, so we have this little parts in our brain that when we compare down, we get a little reward boost. It is mm. neurobiologically rewarding, and so that it encourages us to do it more. And so, so Marcy, this is totally out of our control. This is out of our control. Wow. This is like a cause. It's like cause and effect. Cause wow. and effect. So oh. the other part is that when we're doing these social comparisons, it also ignites the pain network in our brain when we're doing that upward comparison. Literally, the same part of our brain that responds when we are physically wounded. Right? If we were that mm. person that fell and maybe you know hurt our knee. It ignites that pain network in our brain. Same part of the brain when we are excluded socially. So maybe we're on we're on our Facebook feed and we see a picture or, you know, people checking in and we realize all of my friends are at this thing and I'm not there and I'm feeling excluded. Right. Pain network in the brain. When we feel like we are being treated unfairly, but also when we are comparing ourselves socially, it's 
stimulates that pain part of the brain. So we experience that wound in the same way we experience being physically injured, which is just unbelievable. You see a picture and everybody's there and you weren't invited. Like I'm flashing back to high school, Marcy. But this is the same thing. And now when you think about it, you maybe didn't realize that there was a party that you weren't invited to. But now it's out there. And again, you're seeing these, everybody having a good time. And hello, why wasn't I invited? Which I can understand. Oh my goodness gracious. And you think about all of the the quote-unquote parties that we're not invited to, of all of the strangers that we follow on social media doing the things that we think we should be doing, it's it's compounded because it's not only the people that we do know, it's what you were saying earlier, all the people that we don't really know but we kind of feel like we know because we know them online. That's right. 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 And we don't really know them. And, you know, uh, we did a a wonderful uh, spot-on episode with Tim Caulfield uh, touching just a little bit on this about how a lot of this is curated Instagram and stage yeah. and this is not reality but we get sucked into this and we think it's reality that's exactly right and we're all susceptible to it that's you know, right because and that's where i want it i want the listeners to really appreciate that this is not about judging you this isn't about you know you've made some mistake or it's your fault it's hey this is just the nature of being a human and how we're wired to be so we're all set up for this and that doesn't mean we're powerless and we're going to get to that but it means we're we're all pretty vulnerable to it Is, is there a positive – I'm trying to find something positive about this. You won an award, so you put up a picture of your award, or even better, someone else puts the picture of you up getting this award, and then you see it. Does that make you want to work harder? I mean, does that I mean that motivate you? You know, it's interesting that sometimes – but not the researchers isn't showing this consistently, but some of the time seeing someone else's success if we feel that we have the access to the tools, right. that it can inspire us mm. to say, I'm going to try that out, or I'm going to work a little harder, or I'm going to see what that person is doing, right? So, right. so for instance, if I'm working, and this is, uh, this is a real-life example, I have um, a presence on social media, and I really care about what I put out on, on social media. It's representative of my work and my brand, and I see, wow. My colleague over here has done some cool things with how she uses filters and how she uses the design of her brand and what her Instagram feed looks like. I could see that and say, oh, my gosh, mine looks like garbage. Why do I even try? I'm just going to forget about it, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or I could see that, and I can say, wow, you know, I'm noticing that I'm kind of feeling a little crummy about my Instagram feed, but I also know I'm a resourceful person and I'm pretty smart. I'm going to research to see what are some things that I can do to maybe make some changes in my Instagram feed based on what I'm liking over here. I'm feeling like I'm, you know, I've got some tools and some resources and I've got some know-how. We can use those social comparisons to our advantage to rise to the occasion. Right. You know, Marcy, that's very, very interesting. But something that we have uh, that a lot of college students and young adults don't have is experience and wisdom. This is wisdom is the only gosh darn thing good about aging. I'm telling you right now, as we all know, as I look in the mirror. Um, but we have wisdom and we have that experience, so we can look at that Instagram page and and say, "Gee, that's really cool." You know, I can do that. I can do. But if you don't have that confidence, that wisdom, that could really spiral you down, right? That's right. It can really spiral you down, and the unfortunate part of that is that then you get to a, a skewed perception of yourself 
and a skewed perception of the world around you. So it's important, and we're going to talk about some solutions to this, to have a little bit of that reality testing. You know, I love that you had that episode on really increasing knowledge and understanding of what social media is all about and the way in which, for the most part, it's a construct. It's not a reflection of reality. It's It's a particular construct. Are there certain personality traits that may be more susceptible to, you know, going on Instagram and then, you know, following somebody that's above you and making you feel bad? Would Is there certain personality traits or everybody is pretty much vulnerable to this? You know, it's this was a piece of the research that I felt so interested in. And one of the reasons why is because I really related to it on a personal level. So the research does demonstrate that some people are more vulnerable to the impact of social comparison to than other people are. That it's not the same across the board. And if and listeners really reflect and say, you know, I might have a friend who sees the same stuff on Instagram but doesn't seem as bothered by it as I do. Well, it's because we're we're different people and we have different personality traits and different vulnerabilities. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share some of these personality traits that are correlated to folks who are more impacted by social comparison and tend to compare more. And I'm going to do it first with a little caveat and say, this is, again, not judgment. And these traits aren't, quote, unquote, bad. There's nothing wrong with these traits. It's just that they are more correlated to this social comparison and it being sort of a a difficult or problematic thing. The first on the list that I'll name is self-consciousness. So a person who's maybe pretty self-aware and maybe feeling a little bit, maybe a little embarrassed or a little bit socially, oh, you know, it's a little uncomfortable, it's a little self-conscious. Folks who tend to have lower Mm self-esteem also tend to be more prone to comparison. And this term higher neuroticism, and I, you know, that word is a little bit tricky, but what that means is you're prone to be a worrier. Mm. You know, and I've got my hand up. I am prone to be a worrier. I was, I was born worried. But both of my hands are up, and my producer yep. is shaking her head. Yes, yes, yeah, yep, 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 on that yep, one. Yep. Okay, yeah, okay. Yep. So if you're nodding your head as you're listening, you are in very good company. Mm-hmm. People who who tend to maybe struggle a little bit more towards low mood or depression, mm-hmm. um, and now other people who are really interested in what other people mm-hmm. feel and need. Now I've got both hands up right now I because just, I what did yeah. I, what I just had both hands up. Good, literally, like hello. That is me. Mm-hmm. I'm a nutrition counselor because I am so interested in people's stories, mm-hmm. and I love being with and helping people. Mm-hmm. So this is a great lead-in to this other personality trait, high levels of empathy. Oh, yeah. If you really relate and feel what another person might be feeling, mm-hmm. one, that makes you likely a very compassionate person, but that empathy also makes you vulnerable to being really overly tuned in to what's going on with other people. So you, you know something, Marcy, that's interesting. So here's this kind empathy trait, right, that yes. you have and that, yes. you know, is just a, a fabulous trait of yours. And we'd like to hope that everybody has empathy for others. So it's kind of like this could work against you, Marcy. Yes, it can make it can make life sometimes a little bit harder. Exactly. And this last one I was so interested in because, you know, we were talking about you know, this, you're comparing, and if you see someone who's doing worse, then you feel better about yourself, and it's like, oh, gosh, that doesn't sound so nice. But what it, what it turns out is that people who are not necessarily competitive or, oh, I want to be so much better than you, 
but a mindset of interdependence. This idea that I need you and you need me to make the world go round. So mm. these are people who are really deeply relationship-oriented mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who are going to make sense, who are mm-hmm. going to be more vulnerable to like, oh, well, what's this person doing over here? Or what does this person think? Or, um, you know, what's, what's the latest thing going on with so-and-so posting such-and-such? We're the kind of people who are going to be vulnerable. And so it's helpful to look at this list and say, wow, am I someone who's maybe more at risk for these comparisons? And if that's the case, well, what might I want to do about that? You know, Marcy, I'm looking at the list. Who's not on the list? I mean, when you think about it, everybody's got something, one of these things going on here, at least one of them, right? So when you think about it, the list is very long, and that makes it that we're really, really vulnerable to exactly. the, the effects of uh, Instagram and how can it affect our daily life. And, and tell us about that. I mean, so, so how, how can our, this affect our daily life uh, emotionally, physically, our life choices? T- tell us about this. Oh, my gosh. You know, there are, I think, ample opportunities for this to affect our, our day-to-day. And, you know, some of the examples that I've researched as a dietitian, because I get really interested in this, is what does this look like when it comes to eating? Mm. How does this impact us maybe when we're at the grocery store or mm. when we're out with friends and we're ordering something on the menu? So one of the ways this could play out is impacting um sitting with your friends, maybe you're really in the mood for a chicken sandwich and a side of french fries, but mm-hmm. everybody else has ordered a salad, and you're like going, oh my gosh, I can't be the one person that doesn't mm-hmm. get the salad. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself maybe choosing something else. Right. So that's a real practical example. It also shows up in maybe language that you use or don't use. It shows up in the clothing choices that you make, right? right. So you're thinking, and again, these aren't necessarily bad things, but you're right. thinking, okay, I'm going to be meeting up with my family. I might really censor the clothes that I'm going to wear based on the social comparisons that I'm going to be making or how vulnerable that I am. Very to interesting. Comparisons. Very, very. Right? So, so when you think about it, Marcy, this, this, is, this could really be taxing. I used that word in the beginning here, but taxing all day long. I mean, if it, if the, it could affect you know, your food choices, your clothing choices. My goodness gracious. I mean, this is a lot of, of worry. You want to talk about the hands up. Um, that, that doesn't seem to be um, beneficial. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it can be it can be a source of really dragging us down, Yes, you know, and, and one of the things that was, you know, I have to say it made me feel a little bit sad as somebody who specializes in disordered eating and eating disorders and and body image. These are things I really care about because talk about taxing. These are core issues that impact a lot of people and really negatively impact quality of life. And, and what I, what the research shows, and this is new research is that people in the age bracket, in their late teens into their early 30s, those who consume the highest volume of social media. So these are going to be the folks mm-hmm. who are really exposed to the highest volume of social comparison, have significantly higher rates of eating disorders, mm-hmm. significantly higher rates of body dissatisfaction, significantly higher rates of depression and anxiety. You know, the list really goes on, but what this shows is the more we're to all of these opportunities to compare and then potentially feel worse about ourselves, it is deeply impacting how we see ourselves, our confidence, our esteem, our mood, 
and the way we go about living our lives. I mean, it is. I think your word choice, taxing, is right on the money. You know, uh, when I, I started this episode off um, talking about statistics, and I have another one now that you said that. You said that it was really vulnerable for the, the younger set, and 71% of the people that use Instagram are under the age of 35. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just see how many people are could potentially um, this could be affecting their day. Let's get some good news here. What can we do to get a better handle on this? So we don't, uh, you know, we we know this is a neurological effect. We know that we're vulnerable to it based on our age and, and, and our world around us. What can we do to get better control of this? Well, I'm really glad that we're shifting into the hopeful part of the conversation. You know, we don't want this to be, right. you know, a downer episode. It's like, you guys talked me into listening to this, and now I feel even worse. No, right. you're not going to finish this episode feeling worse. So knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. You have probably now learned something that you have experienced, but you didn't have words for. And now you have words for it, and you have a way of explaining it, and now you understand What's happening inside your brain and why it's happening? So now you have the power to decide, what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, we've probably, your listeners have heard this before, most important thing, I could say number one thing if they're going to do anything having listened to this podcast, is curate your social media feed carefully. Hmm. If you are consistently looking at images and accounts, that you imagine to be for inspiration, but it just leaves you feeling crappy, delete that account, stop following it. We do not make positive changes in our lives as a result of feeling worse about ourselves. Oh, that's so this idea excellent. Of, that not is be inspired, excellent. No, right. I, you're not going to be inspired to make changes by looking at these images and feeling like crap. It's not going to happen. So a lot of times, People will think, okay, great, I'm going to look at this, and it's going to make me do better. Here's the deal. It doesn't. It leaves you feeling depressed and worse about yourself, and that's not inspirational. You know, that is so important, Marcia. I'm so glad you got that out because people believe that that's going to happen, and it's not. Don't go down that aisle. Go down a different aisle. Excellent. Go down a different aisle. And here's the cool thing because, you know, I said I'm on social media. I'm on social media personally and professionally. It's not like I'm some anti-Instagram crusader. I'm not. The cool thing is that there is so much good to be found on social media channels. And so go looking for the things that really build you up and give you confidence. And make room for folks on your social media feed that inspire things like imperfection. Right. Look for it. Rather than just seeking out the images of perfect, 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 bring in the messiness of imperfection and the people who are living lives and sharing messaging about real life things rather than a curated sort of fake picture of what is not real life. Right. You know, that that's so true because it's so relatable. You know, if you're, you're having like a bad day and you're having a, a bad hair day, Put that bad hair day up, picture up. Don't put it when you just get out of the uh, salon. You know, and who the heck can ever blow dry your hair other than the person that does your hair? And that, exactly. That, and that, so, you know, put up the, okay, guess what? It's humid here. Hello, look at my hair, you know? And and then exactly. people would, we would laugh, and that's an 
Excellent, excellent point. You know, one of the things that was so funny to me when I started my Instagram account, I was sort of bumbling around. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I started trying things on and sort of, you know, finding my way with it. And I, one morning, got to work. I had a microwavable sort of oatmeal thing. I had bought it at Trader Joe's. I threw it in the microwave. It was a hectic morning. I was running around trying to get ready for work. And then I went into the microwave to get my oatmeal. It had exploded. <laughs> it exploded everywhere. It was a mess. It was a disaster. And I took a picture of it and put it on my Instagram feed. And it was the most popular post that right. I had done to that point because it was relatable. Nice. It was like, oh, I'm not the only person who had a disaster this morning. Right. So build in that room for humor and imperfection and self-compassion. And that is going to allow you to feel like you're not constantly being excluded from this quote-unquote perfect life that nobody, in fact, is living. That is that is actually fabulous. That is truly, truly fabulous. And you know something? We're the most happiest when we laugh. So, you know, so putting up those kind of pictures or seeking out those fun that are relatable pictures could really make you laugh and feel much, much better about yourself. Should people get help? Should you get professional help if you think? What do you think? You know, I am a proponent of connecting with professionals if you feel like you're really stuck with something, if you're not making headway and you're feeling down and you're feeling like, I, I don't know how to change this. I wish this is different, but I don't know how to change it. Oh, my gosh, I'm a big, big proponent of getting help. Often people think, you know, I need to, I can only hire someone like a counselor or a dietitian if something's really bad or I have something diagnosable. But the reality is that's just not true. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I wish that getting help was from a counselor or a dietitian was as normal as, you know, that annual visit to the PCP mm -hmm. or going mm -hmm. to see your, your dentist. Mm -hmm. um, that we all have bodies, but we all have a mind and emotions and inner worlds that need support too. And so there are things in which we really, really struggle with, but we might not have a name for it. We might not have a diagnosis for it, but that doesn't mean it's maybe not something that you need help with. Right. And so I think it's it's a great question and, and something I'm a big, big proponent of. On a college campus, there's oftentimes registered dietitians available for for some pep talk and, and, and helping you out. And as all, there's always a student health center where they can talk to people, credible people, counselors. So there's always somebody uh, on on the campus here that could help you. So and, and the good news here, what you did, Ms. Marcy, is that you empowered us with the science-based information that this is innate uh, and not to set us up and to give us doable strategies to stop doing things that are just making us feel bad. I mean, I feel better already, and, you know, and I'm going, as soon as I get off with you, honey, I'm, I'm going through my Instagram account, and I'm only going to look at puppies for a while. I <laughs> there you go. There, I go. there you go. There can, I, go. can I give you a recommendation in case you have, in case you don't know about this one? Go this ahead. isn't puppies. Okay. But I, but, but I think you're going to love it. If I know you, I think you're going to love it. Do you follow Celeste Barber? No. Oh, Tell my me. God. Okay. Go down this rabbit hole okay. because she is the epitome of what we're talking about today. Okay. So her name is Celeste Barber. She's got millions of followers. She's an Australian comedian, and what she does is really personify in the most hilarious comedic way, all of this ridiculousness that we see on Instagram. And it's absolutely hysterical. So finding you room for humor, seeing the world in an imperfect but, but wonderful lens, and she is the, the ticket. 
right okay. there. Thank you, Miss Marcy Evans. We're going to put up on the uh, uh, spot on uh, Facebook page all information about Marcy and links to her website and all, all the products that she has um, created to help people in this sphere. And uh, let me tell you, this is absolutely fascinating. And I, I know this is going to be an episode where people are actually going to feel better after listening, and it's going to feel better for a while. Thank you so much for being on Spot On. Thank you so much for the invitation. It has been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to Spot On. Please subscribe to Spot On on your favorite podcast app for new episodes every week. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Joan Salgy Blake. And also like our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes. And oh, by the way, could you ask five of your friends or family members to download Spot On and subscribe to it? Do I ask a lot from you?